Hello, and thank you for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in John 11, where it's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Before we get started, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the many blessings you bestowed upon us that you've blessed me with. I'm grateful for the way that you, you guide us, support us, and love us. And I just thank you that the creator of the world, the one who has the foundations of the world in his hand, wants to know me. So Lord, I pray today as we read your word, that it be your voice that we hear. It'd be your wisdom, your insights that we would hear, that, that our spirits would be guided and, and nourished by you. And that whatever I have to say or think would be completely un, unheard, but it would be your work and your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's just go ahead and jump right on in. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed, stayed where he was two more days. And then he sent to his disciples, or said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. I have to admit, I'm not really sure what that is really all about, but that's okay. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. The disciples, like us, still focus on the physical and don't understand the bigger picture that God has. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am going. I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go, that we may die with him. I'm not sure what, again, I'm confused a little bit by that. Verse 17, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in, in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there or been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in 
in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After this, she she had said after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but it was still at the pl- but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So my question on this and that I always think in my head is, were they like accusing him? Were they yelling at him? Were they angry? <clears throat> I'm just wondering how that sta- those statements were delivered. Just kind of curious. If Mary was mad and... That's why she didn't come out to meet him the first time when Martha did. I don't know. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always heard me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth about his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Verse 45, therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. See, my initial reaction would be, oh my goodness, this guy is healing the blind, raising the dead, and doing it in God's name. My initial reaction would be, Let's go and, if not praise him, really try to support him or whatnot. I still have in the back of my mind, though, you have to be careful with that because that's what the deceiver, that's what the Antichrist is going to do. Whether or not he raises people from the dead, who knows. But that's how he's going to, how he's going to confuse people, and he's going to trick them into believing in him. So you have to, you know, I, I can be pretty harsh on the Pharisees, but at the same time, there has to be something to it for them not to just accept and believe everything that they're being told. So I guess it really comes down to the heart of the people and of the, the Pharisees, where their hearts lie and whether or not it's, um, 
whether or not it comes from the right place, right? If they're trying to protect people and themselves from worshiping the wrong, or if they're just trying to protect their power. So back to verse 47. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away our temple and our nation. And they could also add our power and our riches. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for the nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priest and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. So that's the end of it. That's the end of chapter 11. It's getting ready for, for um, it's preparing for the Passover and Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. But with that said, I want to read something that I th- thought was pretty important, or it made me, it touched me. So it's from A.W. Tozer, and it was um, regarding verse 44 the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth about around his face jesus said to them take off the grave clothes and let him go so that's the verse that he's focused on and he he writes the devil makes it his business to keep christians in bondage bound and gagged actually imprisoned in their own grave clothes why doesn't the old devil satan give up and bow that bow out of the picture when a person becomes a believing Christian. Although he is a dark and sinister foe dedicated to the damnation of humans, I think he knows that it is no use trying to damn a forgiven and justified child of God who is in the Lord's hands. So it becomes the devil's business to keep the Christian's spirit imprisoned. He knows that the believing and the justified Christian has been raised up out of the grave of his sins and trespasses. From that point on, Satan works as that much harder to keep us bound and gagged, actually imprisoned in our own grave clothes. He knows that if we continue in this kind of bondage, we will never be able to claim our rightful spiritual heritage. He knows also that while we continue bound in this kind of enslavement, we are not much better off than when we were spiritually dead. This is one reason why the Christian in today's churches are behaving like a flock of frightened sheep, so intimidated by the devil that we can't even say, Amen. So I think it's important, and where it really touched me is when we are saved and empowered by Christ, our lives are different. But if we don't 
if and we can't be taken from Christ. We can never be removed from him. Jesus says he hasn't lost a single sheep. So the reality is, then what is this what does Satan want to do? He wants to quiet you. He wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you gagged. So you can't share. So that you don't have abundant life. And people ask you, why are you in such why are you acting differently than you ever did? Why is it that you and during challenges you can be have peace? Why is it? People won't ask you that if you're walking around just like you used to because you're now focused on the world instead of the gift of your spiritual change. So that's Satan's goal is to keep us bound and gagged with our old self. And I found myself yesterday in that mode. I was bound and gagged. I was bumming in the afternoon. I don't know what hit me, but something just made me sad and I focused on it all day and all into the evening and I had to shake myself this morning because I was going to continue down that path and that's garbage I don't have that life I have a new life in Christ I have salvation I have joy but I was allowing myself to be this Debbie Downer even though I'm a guy and I can't you know there's no reason for that and I had to shake myself and remember. And that's where I got onto my bed and my, on my knees on, and laid on my bed and just said, God, I don't know what to say, but take this from me. Help me to remember that you love me. And, and going to him, my heart changed again. The peace was back. The sadness was removed. The despair, the cloud. I was basically Eeyore walking around with a cloud over me. So... I encourage you to understand that you're saved. You have new life. You have joy in Christ. And Satan's goal is to keep us down like we were. And actually it's worse than when we were unsaved because we didn't know any better. When we're sitting here wallowing in the pit after we've been saved, we know way better. It's even more humiliating, more saddening, more heartbreaking. So I just encourage you. If you're feeling that way, get on your knees and just rest in him. I say just, that's not easy to do, but to rest in him and lift up your heart to him for cleansing and healing. Anyways, with that, I'm just going to close this with prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the many blessings and thank you for your word. I'm grateful for all that you do. And I just pray that we would hear your voice that this message would touch our spirits and our hearts, and that we would do your will, that we'd continue to see others as you see them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.